0: Sky Talkers is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at weareescapepods.com and on Twitter at @weareescapepods. The Star Wars Escape Pods network, promoting positivity in fandom.
1: Star Wars The Last Jedi continues to puzzle, delight and excite us and the Star Wars fandom. We're here to answer your questions and dive deeper into what we love about this movie. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host,
0: Charlotte. Hey guys, I am your other host, Caitlin, and welcome to part three of our Last Jedi intensive breakdown. We did characters, we did plotline, and now, drumroll please, part three, our catch-all, Q&A, smorgasbord, I don't even know what we call it, but (laughs) it's here, you know what it
1: is. (laughs) Get excited. I know I'm excited. I had, okay, usually I'm a one coffee a day type of girl. (laughs) But today, in the morning, I had, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had coffee at like 4 35, and I'm just living for podcasting right now. I'm ready to go. My gosh. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Caffeine just
0: doesn't have that kind of effect on me anymore. I could drink some coffee now, and then I could go to bed when we're finished.
1: <laughs> well, like, caffeine in the morning has that effect on, like, normal effect, like, just wakes me up, I suppose. But the second cup of coffee, holy god, is <laughs> where the magic happens. <laughs> happens. So here we go. I'm very, very excited to talk about the Last Jedi again. Nice. Um, I'm, for some reason, with these Last Jedi episodes, I'm like slightly nervous to talk about things because again, we mentioned this in our last Last Jedi episode that you know this movie is kind of controversial. So it's like things that are said are controversial. So I was like, nervous for it, but now I'm just excited.
0: Yeah, I think I think at this point we're like, hey, we know what our star's opinions are, and we started a podcast to talk about them. So here we are talking about them, <laughs> for better exactly. Or for worse, you know, they could change in the future. It is what it is right now in this moment in this coffee induced haze that Charlotte is currently in. So,
1: drop <laughs> <laughs> yes. yourselves in, listeners. Um, I just wanted to say a quick thank you to all of our awesome listeners for the past, like, month and a half, two months now, basically, of Last Jedi content, our Emo Kylo Ren episode, our episode with um, our Star Wars Escape Pods network. It's We've put out a lot of content recently, and we've gotten a lot of awesome feedback, and thank you guys for listening, and mm-hmm. it's been a great couple of months, and it's only uphill from here.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's been really fun. It's kind of sad because now we're we're going to be shifting back into our regular every other week schedule after this episode. Yeah, so, but then and, there's
1: Fulcrum Files. Yeah, so. there's
0: Fulcrum Files, so it'll be fine. Um, February will be like another Last Jedi month <laughs> as far <laughs> as like how many episodes we're recording. But it's, it's all fun. And uh, Han Solo trailer is coming up. And I'm just like, I'm ready to just enjoy Han Solo and not think about it (laughs) No, same. because I've thought so much about the last Jedi that I need like a palate cleanser of just (laughs) I think we all do enjoy the Millennium Falcon enjoy the like cool costumes and the one-liners and
1: the sass of Han Solo I'm so ready in Lando I'm Mm -hmm. just so ready oh my god yes (laughs) I'm very excited (laughs) come to me Lando yeah so if you're listening to this like post trailer I'm sure we have a reaction up so yeah, check that
0: so out. Go listen. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway,
1: we should probably get started because we have so many questions and things to you discuss, know. and this yes. is going to be a doozy of an episode. <laughs> 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 okay, so in part one, we're going to talk about plot-based questions, and in part two, you guessed it, it's going to be all about character questions, and in part three, it's going to be episode nine-specific questions, speculatory, and like other stuff that we want to talk about. <laughs> So, without further ado, let's get started.
0: So, who talks first? You talk first? I talk first? Hello, welcome to part one, where we're going to be taking your questions about the plot of Star Wars. So, our usual part one. (laughs)
1: actually so true i didn't even think about that that's funny
0: you you divided this episode up
1: i know but it just maybe it's like second nature to me now anyway yes
0: yeah when i saw how you divide you were like i figured it out because we we weren't sure how we were going to divide up the episode when we got the first couple of questions in then you were like i figured it out and then i was like it's our regular format
1: this is such a funny revelation oh my god it's so true. Okay. I
0: have like been I've been working on the episode. I, I figured it out. Don't worry. It's our regular format. Uh. Okay. So our first question is from our good friend, Brian Balance. And he asked, least favorite part. Starting off right off the
1: negative. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you organized um, I- this
0: episode. <laughs>
1: Um, I think my least favorite part is, oh god. Um, I don't. There, it's a small chunk. Okay, <laughs> this should surprise <laughs> no one. In between, I, even though I I love everything about this movie, but the part that I just like feel like it drags is when we're cutting between the throne room and Finn and Rose and Phasma and everything. I I just like. I want to spend time, this is like a totally personal problem, is like I want to spend all my time in the throne room and like, yeah. But I still like that scene, so I don't know.
0: I don't it's, have a least favorite
1: part because it's my favorite Star Wars movie.
0: They're <laughs> the whack-a-mole of the scene, are they not? Oh my god. <laughs> 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 they are. <laughs> um, my least favorite part, I mean, I think like overall the Kanto bite is still not my favorite part of the movie, but I still love the movie. I mean, you guys know that. But, um, yeah, I feel like, again, I'm still, like, so on a Ray and Kylo high that I'm, like, get me back to them. Um, that, the Canto the Bight plot line, though, doesn't bother me as much or drag as much as it now as it did in the first couple times I saw The Last Jedi. So I think with time, I'll, like, grow to really appreciate even more of the nuances in it now. I think my least favorite moment is when Luke throws the lightsaber still. I I just, I just wish he had dropped it and walked off. I just,
1: I also am just not a fan of the green milk situation. Yeah, it's a little (laughs) for cringe. Like I understand why it's there. I get it. I do kind of, and I respect it. (laughs) But I (laughs) the milking. But it's still, it's like, it's so jarring, and that's the point. But it's still jarring. Okay, okay, so January Macias asks, what's something you would personally add to or remove or change in the movie? It's kind of
0: what I just said before, Luke and the lightsaber. I would just have him drop it rather than throw it, and uh, I'd add more Skype sessions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Me too.
0: And, and honestly, I'd probably, for as much as I love Poe, I, I would probably shorten some of his screen time, honestly, and give some more to Finn. I 100% agree with everything
1: you just said. <laughs> so Awesome. <laughs> glad we're on the same page.
0: Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. We thought this was going to take a long time, but we are just soaring through.
1: <laughs> no, but honestly, what I would um, add in is definitely <laughs> my... I don't. I don't know. Like, I am really excited to see in the novelization the Han Solo funeral, mm-hmm. and I think maybe a couple of lines discussing that would have been better. Or like, even just can we linger on that scene with Luke being like, "Where's Han?" Yes, for like a little bit longer. You know, and yeah. it's it's I, I I that was such a devastating moment in the Force Awakens, mm-hmm. and it's like I think it deserved. Maybe two more lines about maybe Ray being like, "Han is dead," you yeah. know, and just kind of g- delivering that news to Luke, and then we could see Luke's reaction, and we could also get Ray's reaction and how devastating it was for her to lose this father figure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that scene has always kind of interested me because I I want to know if. It's weird, Like, I think he does, but Luke understanding Chewbacca, being able to understand mm-hmm. Chewbacca because Ray's translating for him for Chewbacca, mm-hmm. like assuming that Luke doesn't know. but Luke's only looking at Chewbacca. like that that whole kind of dynamic in that scene I, I always find really interesting. I'd have to rewatch that. I don't remember that, but yeah, because it's right. like Chewie storms in and or <laughs> storms in, breaks the door down, and <laughs> and Luke is like Chewie, what are you doing here? And he starts growling, and Ray is just there, like translating for him immediately. But Luke like isn't looking at Ray; he's only looking at Chewie and like responding to Chewie as if he understands what he's saying but i don't know if if luke does understand wookie i guess he does right that's
1: does i don't i don't think so i mean there's nothing to tell us that he has or that he doesn't not yeah understand. true so like whatever you yeah, know i don't know
0: yeah but yeah no i agree with you um a second longer with with that moment i think would be really great too i think we have another question similar to that so i actually have some more thoughts on that moment but i'll save it for later Okay. Uh, okay. So our next question is from BJ Smith, and he said the last Kylo and uh, Ray connection is it something Snoke initiated, or is the last connection Snoke initiated, or like Luke and Leia on Bespin? He said I vote for the latter. I don't think the music dropped out like Snoke Skype, um, though it was a thought it was a general sensing via proximity and not a full force Skype
1: session. So my thoughts is that I still think it's a full force Skype session. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that music or anything dropped out because there was no dialogue presented with us, but I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of indecisive on this. Um, basically I I feel like it could be either, but I don't know. What do you think?
0: I mean, I think it's both, honestly, like it's Snoke and the force, um, Ryan has said on multiple times, and so has the story group, that their connection began in The Last Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. The interrogation scene, something opens up between them, uh, and they're already connected in that moment. I think Snoke probably amplified that connection and um, was cognizant of it in The Force Awakens and sought yeah. to exploit it in The Last Jedi. Um, and, like, he knows that Ray is going to feel compassion for Ben. Like, he's counting on that. He says so much to her. He's like, and I knew you would take the bait. Um, but, like, Luke, he thought Kylo's choice was already made um, to join the dark side and, or to be on the dark side. And that wasn't the case. Um, and killing Snoke was kind of the first real choice that I think Ben has made for himself in a really mm-hmm. long time. And, uh, Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think it's clear. I mean, I think the whole point of that last scene is to show us that even though Snoke may have had some part in this connection, big or small, uh, it's still there. Uh, despite everything that's happened,
1: they're still connected and bonded to each other. Totally. Um, completely agree. I, um, I'm so, 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 and we'll get into this, I suppose, in our third part when we talk about um, episode nine speculation, but I'm so interested to see this connection manifests itself throughout the next chapter in the story because mm-hmm. they started it in the force awakens they expanded it in this movie and i know that it's going to either we're going to get some sort of like even further weirdness that happens with it or it's going to break off or it's going to i i personally think it's going to get stronger so i'm just really excited to see that develop and like what sort of theories emerge from that um as well so I'm I'm eager to find out. Me too. Okay, so we have a couple of questions from Jim um, next, and this one's kind of a long one. So bear with me as I read it. I still can't figure out the whole concept of the first order tracking the resistance cruiser from Snoke ship. Why would Finn and Rose only have to disable the tracker from Snoke ship? Why wouldn't all the ships have their trackers turned on? And Hux tells Snoke in the beginning that they have the resistance tied on, tied on a string. Is he referring to the tracker on his ship or Snoke's ship? And Leia says it's impossible to track ships through light, light speed, but Obi-Wan tracked Django to Geonosis in Attack of the Clones. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I just can't get my head around it and I want to understand. Jim, you're barking up the wrong tree with these two <laughs> questions. <laughs>
0: Charlotte and I are totally those people to be like, well, they tracked him. All right. What's next for our characters? What are they (laughs) going to do? Like, I don't think – like, the whole debate on Twitter about the gravity and the bomb squadron, like, how the bombs dropped, I'm like, that did not even enter my mind (laughs) to be a concern. But – That said, though. Yes. That said, though. We will try to answer your question because I do have some thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they're only tracking it from the lead ship, right? So, Mm -hmm. basically, the main... I'm trying to talk myself through this, you know. Let's see how this goes. (laughs) The main ship... Was it the Supremacy? Yes, right? Um, Yeah, Yeah, that's the the Snoke ship. Yes, the main ship is tracking the lead ship of the Resistance, so basically, they have it. T- the, his quote, "They have it tied on a string," really just refers to those two ships, which is why those transports are able to get away, correct? And the ones that are mm-hmm. like the medical frigates and everything that was basically dragging behind, um, like a towboat, the ratis, right? What were kind of they didn't have the shields that the ratis had, so that's why they kind of fell behind and exploded. Um, were exposed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I'll pick, <laughs> up. I'll pick up hyperspace tra- tracking. <laughs> I don't think it's necessary. Like it is hyperspace tracking, but they're really just following this one ship. That's why the other ships were able to get away.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think too. With in regards to Attack of the Clones, it's like Obi Wan places a tracker on Jango's ship. And I think they kind of they kind of point out throughout the movie that the supremacy can't get close enough to the uh, resistance's armada to like mm-hmm. do something like that. Um, whereas like Obi Wan had to personally place the tracker on Jango's ship, and I'm sure too it's like a size issue as well. Like I'm right. sure some kind of logistics. Like it 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 works on ships with these type of capabilities, but not, like, the bigger the ship, the harder it is to track, or, like, the ship mm-hmm. probably has some had some kind of technology on it to prevent tracking. Um, although, like, don't they say in A New Hope that they're tracking the Falcon as well? Yes. Yeah, but, but again, like, the
1: Falcon's a much smaller ship than the mm-hmm. um, so I I think-, th- I think thematically that we have them tied on a string is also kind of uh, a line that kind of refers to how Snoke, I mean, this is like metaphorical, but how Snoke has um, Kylo and Rey kind of tied on a string connected through the force at that moment. And you're supposed to think about it in these kind of dual ways where these two parties are kind of being tracked by the first order. Mm -hmm. By Snoke. Yeah. Yes. And it kind of, it, it um and being like controlled um well, it kind of I, I this is what i do um it also kind of refers to you know you know that line that snoke says why i keep a rabid cur um mm-hmm. so close uh what does he say what is the because a cur's weakness properly can exploit, exploited can exploited. be manipulated it's the same situation of like in and that's the same conversation right about the string mm-hmm. so um you're supposed no, to think It's a different combo. Oh, it is. Whatever. Yeah,
0: it's the, the string comes in the very beginning when big head Snoke comes up. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no. But but you're right. Like everything, especially from Snoke, has like this weird dual meeting.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think that like that's kind of the purpose of the line is that you're supposed to think about, um, I mean, it, it offers a really interesting visual in your head, right, of like this one big ship tracking the smaller. Ship, mm-hmm. um, and them being connected somehow. Yeah, um,
0: but the thing too is that the the re- resistance ship isn't actually that small. Yeah, true. You know, it's like compared to the supremacy, it's tiny. But they talk about that a lot with the Huldo maneuver that um, their ship has to be of some kind of significant size in order to have had any damage on the supremacy. So it's mm-hmm. I mean it's significantly smaller than Snoke
1: ship, but it's still pretty big by ship terms, I guess. Okay, so the next question is also a technical question from Jim. He says when Kylo is attacking attacking the resistance cruiser, Hux tells him that they can't cover him from that distance. Why do you think they can't cover him when they've clearly when they're clearly still fire, firing on that cruiser the whole time? I don't know. This, I, is, a, this is a weird plot thing where I just feel is. like they they needed to end the scene with Kylo being frustrated. And <laughs> yeah. that's what they did. You yeah. know what I mean? And like that's that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: yeah. the purpose of it, probably. But I, I think also it's probably for the same reason why they can't actually get up close to the Supreme or to the the Resistance ship. Um, that they, yeah, the Resistance ship is too fast, and like Kylo's, it's like Kylo's crossed a certain boundary. Um, like, in through their shields, like, into their shields, and the supremacy can't infiltrate that, and therefore can't protect him, and Kylo is an asset, and so he needs to get back.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, so his last question is, in the 3rd Ray Rey-Kylo force connection, why do you think Ray is crying and so emotional about Han's death? It just really seems odd since she only knew Han for about a day or so. Um, I know you have an answer for this, but I just want to say... I've been thinking a lot about Ray's daddy issues and her need for a father figure, and um, how Kylo later in the movie, when he says "You're nothing," he um, he does the marriage proposal, if you will. He mm-hmm. um, he says, "It's your greatest weakness. You're looking for them in everyone, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly that. He was she was looking for a father figure, a parental figure in in Han in that moment, in Luke, and she doesn't find it in anyone, right? Mm -hmm. And so she's crying because she can't find it and she feels so alone.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like Kylo tells her too that, you know, he would have disappointed you. And the mm-hmm. thing is, it's like Ray, like Ray does have some really deep-seated issue with issues with parental figures in her life. That's like part of her whole story that's really brought to the surface in The Last Jedi. And the thing is, it's like Han would have disappointed her because she wanted him to be this father figure that he never would have been. Obviously, like Kylo's perception of Han is very biased as well, but so is Ray's. You know, mm-hmm. Ray's kind of all she knows is the mythic. Um, the myth that's been told about Han, uh, just like she only knows the myth about Luke Skywalker. Um, So it's like, again, like balance. If you had taken Han's or uh, Ray's understanding of Han and Kylo's understanding of Han and kind of meshed them together, you're getting a more complete, complex view of who Han really was to each of these characters. Anyway, Mm -hmm. I digress. (laughs) (laughs) But one thing I I really liked this question, Jim, um, because like Charlotte said, I think – we haven't talked a lot about this particular aspect of Rey's character of really searching for a father figure. And and it doesn't make sense um, that she would be so attached to Han. I mean, obviously, that was a really traumatic situation. And so that was going to have an effect on her. Um, but the why she's crying, it's like in The Last Jedi, we realized that that kind of belonging, that familial belonging is everything Rey has literally ever wanted. And from her perception, it's like Kylo had – Everything she ever wanted. Not only did she have family, not only did he have family, but he had the family mm-hmm. <laughs> and he threw it all away. And I think for her, it's like, how could you have given all of this up? Like, you don't understand how bad I've had it in my life not having this family. And you had a family and chose, you chose to abandon them, and I was abandoned. Mm-hmm. and it, like i think i think that's like she says she says she's like i don't understand it because it doesn't make sense to her why would you give up family when you had them and the thing is that in that moment she doesn't know kylo's story she doesn't know everything that happened um with luke and and with his parents she only has this very loose understanding of kylo ren is <laughs> deep in the dark side, and cannot <laughs> like <laughs> whatever her little spiel is that she's been told, um, and what she saw too. But she doesn't know um, everything that's gone into that. So, yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting moment, especially because Han or because Kylo doesn't really answer the question either. Uh, it's interesting. And anyway, um, I don't even know if this makes sense, but I was <laughs> rereading parts of Carrie Fisher's postcard from the Edge um, the other day, and. This, like, little excerpt just – I don't know. For some reason, I was like, this sounds like Kylo. <laughs> I don't know why, but it reminded me of Kylo. So if if you'll indulge me, listeners, um, this is from the very beginning of Postcards from the Edge, which is – you haven't read it. It's by Carrie Fisher, um, and it's basically uh, her working through her relationship with her mother, Debbie Reynolds. Um, and the character, Suzanne, is in – uh, drug rehab, and she's talking about how she should have it all. Like from the outset, it looks like she has it all, Suzanne, but she doesn't really have it all, and she doesn't know how to have it all, which for some reason like really resonated me with the character of Kylo. And she said, the thing about having it all is it should include the ability to have it all. Um, then she goes off for a little bit and says, the positive way to look at this, being in drug rehab, <laughs> is that things can only go up. But I've been up and I always felt like a trespasser, a transient at the top. It's like I've got a visa for happiness, but for sadness, I've got a lifetime pass. I shot through my 20s like a luminous thread through a dark needle, blazing toward my destination, nowhere. Which I kind of feel like you can put that on Kylo too, some of those feelings. And then another one that I really thought was interesting too was uh, when Carrie is writing about her relationship with her mother and like parenthood. And how you could kind of give that to Kylo too. So Suzanne says, I talked to my mom briefly. I was afraid that she'd be mad at me for messing up the life she'd given me. But she was very nice. She said a great thing. I told her I was miserable here. And she said, well, you were happy as a child. I can prove it. I have the films. (laughs) What went wrong between what she gave me and how I took it? And I don't know. It was like, I can almost see a situation like that playing out with Kylo and Leia in episode nine right where Kylo like anticipates his mother to be angry at him but Leia would have would have still loved Ben Solo. Yeah. You know what I mean and Kylo's like how can you still love me after like I feel like Kylo would have started to see his own childhood in a different light in episode 9 and would have been like not everything was as bad as I remember it. Totally. I don't know. That Take that for what you will, listeners, but I was in, like, a Carrie Fisher mood yesterday. (laughs) I'm always in a Star Wars mood, too, so I was like, this can easily be Kylo Ren.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm I'm glad that you shared those because I think they're uh, – I've I've enjoyed, like, thinking about Star Wars through the lens of all these different literature um, pieces and films and everything recently, and um, I could totally see that playing out as well. Um, Thanks. Cool. Appreciate it.
0: <laughs> All right, so our next question from Jim, and uh, it was this is another long question, but I'm gonna sum it up just a little bit. But basically, Jim was asking us about how we feel about kind of the real world aspects in the Last Jedi, things like Hux with an H, dome, Crystal Critters, um, and those kinds of things took him out of the film. So, how do we feel about those "quote
1: unquote" real world moments? Um, The humor style um, doesn't necessarily take me out of the film anymore. I was surprised by it the first viewing. As I was surprised by the humor in The Force Awakens as well, it's hard for me to kind of... Uh, I mean, I feel like I just keep forgetting that that the humor in the Force Awakens was felt so different. Maybe because it was like genuine, <laughs> and we we didn't really have that kind of tone in the prequels at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I just feel like we we have really good writing now, and we're a lo- and really great actors too, um, who can pull off these lines. And I. I think it's fine, um, but I do. It did kind of take me out in the beginning. the The first scene is was like a a little like jarring for me in terms of the whole general hugs thing, Mm -hmm. Um, and like the hold for hucks and everything. It's definitely different. What do you think?
0: Yeah, no, this was something that really bothered me the first couple viewings, especially some of the language, like. You're a murderous snake. I was like, there aren't snakes in Star Wars. Um, And I just – I didn't like it very much. But then Pablo Hidalgo tweeted this thread that was this like actual – it was a whole thread about other examples of similar situations that have happened in other Star Wars Wars movies that I had just forgotten about. And I was like, oh, (laughs) all right. This isn't a new thing. And now it doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs>
1: and snakes are in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, So
0: exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't bother me anymore as much. And again, it's one of those things where, like, The Last Jedi is just so jarring on so many fronts because it is so different of a film. But once you're used to the tone of the movie, it's not jarring anymore. And I think that was a lot of the initial criticism of The Last Jedi was it's very jarring um, mm-hmm. but because you just saw it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it'll age really well, um, mm-hmm. especially those kind of humorous lines, because I feel like I don't think they're like timely humor at all, really. Yeah. Um, I think that that'll age just fine. And the more viewings, the more affectionate I get for these little moments that we have. Um, okay, so Brian Bailey asks, there seems to be a running symbolism that – if the gloves are on, he's Kylo Ren. But when the gloves come off, he becomes the vulnerable Ben to Ray. Do you think J.J. will continue this trend and build, it, build on it in his redemption?
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, these films are not, like... These films are so thought through, and I need to remind myself of that daily. Things are not done accidentally in these movies, especially in a Star Wars movie when they know that there are people like us who are going to talk about it for literal hours on end. And uh, I mean, just like Ryan took the dice imagery from JJ, I mean, even though that was initially cut or eventually cut from The Force Awakens, I think JJ will take the glove thing from Ryan, it, it does. It probably won't be as prominent or as obvious as it was in the last Jedi, but I wouldn't be surprised if when we get redeemed, Ben Solo, he's not wearing gloves.
1: I agree. I I think that the gloves are just part of the facade, mm-hmm. just like the mask was. So, him removing the gloves, um, it will be akin to him smashing the mask. Um, yeah. That's kind of what I I think it'll continue for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. And our next question is from Morgan. They said, what's your favorite line? I have a couple. I know. That's the thing. I wrote a couple too. And unsurprisingly, all of mine are either Kylo Ren lines or Luke Skywalker lines. (laughs) No. (laughs) What's funny too is Morgan has another question and she said, hashtag hard-hitting questions. And – this is a hard-hitting question. I feel like you meant it as a little bit of a joke, Morgan, but it's true. <laughs> um, I think some of my favorites were no one's ever really gone. Uh, for some reason, I, I love the line from Kylo of, have you come to save my soul? Um, especially after we talked about it a couple episodes ago where I had this realization that he's like, have you come to save my soul? Like, you damned my soul, Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but I was just like, wow, emotion. And then <laughs> blow that piece of junk out of the sky because it's the best line ever. And of course, they you're not alone, and neither are you between Rey and Kylo.
1: I, I the last one might be my favorite, but and I think maybe the exchange. I have a favorite exchange that Ooh. I'm going to say. Ooh, go! Cool. Um, I love when Ray is trying to feel the Force. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Luke's oh, like, oh, it must be really strong with you. <laughs> I love that.
0: (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah, that is so funny. And she's like, oh, you you meant like in
1: hand. Yeah, and it's like so Daisy. (laughs) It's It's not right. It's Daisy. And it's – I love it. (laughs) I actually – this
0: is going to come as a shock, but one of the 3PO lines, I actually – like I've said this before, this is my favorite movie with C three PO. It's like the perfect amount of C three PO in this movie. <laughs> and when they're on the in the bridge with uh, Poe, and Poe takes command of the ship, and C three PO is leaving, and Poe's like, "Where are you going?" C three PO's like, "It's not proper protocol." And Poe's like, "Stay there, C three PO." And C three PO's like, "It's not proper." <laughs> like, tries <to> run off. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny
1: <laughs> it's so funny that this is your favorite 3po because 3po in in the original six films like 3po doesn't narrate like 3po narrates the ba- the entire story basically we're following 3po and that's the whole like idea behind george and in- this one is like not like that at all and s- therefore you <laughs> love c3po <laughs> it's just like
0: it's he was, i thought he was really well used um like I agree. The, the first line, well, then there's the great line from Leia too like, get your head out of your cockpit, Poe. You're like, oh, God. that is the so character good. line, and it's so good. And, oh, and then the one where she's like, yeah, there were um, dead heroes, no leaders. Yes. Gut Love wrench. Gut wrenching. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then Morgan's other question
1: was how do you feel about Luke's wink to C3PO? I don't really know if I have any emotions. I think that that was supposed to show that other people were reacting to Luke there. I mean, you kind of see that all around, um, right? But Mm -hmm. I feel like this was also Ryan's answer to everyone saying that, um, you know, the whole when in The Force Awakens when Chewbacca comes off the ship and then Rey and Leia share the hug and everyone was like, why didn't Chewie hug Leia? Blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> right. So I feel like this is kind of a similar situation where it's like Luke and C three PO in the same place. Like, are you kidding me? Like, C three Luke didn't even acknowledge C three PO. This droid that he's had. Blah, blah 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 blah. Right. Yeah. And I feel like this was the moment to answer that sort of fan outrage that was inevitable. That's interesting. Um,
0: but two, remember, this was already written before the Force Awakens so even came out. Very true. But it, it's interesting because this moment is actually – because when Luke showed up, the very first viewing when Luke showed up uh, in on crate, and was talking to Leia, I was like, he's a force ghost. He's already dead. Something has happened. I was like, what's going – I was like, something is up. And But it was this moment when he winked to see 3PO. I was like, wait a second. If he's like a force ghost, how can 3PO be seeing
1: this like basically like ghost – figure i think i think that's the point right is that you're supposed to be like you're supposed to question it Mm -hmm. but then that's supposed to bring you back to reality and be like oh like that's luke so then the surprise of that not be like that being like force protection luke is greater Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but i remember that moment i was like wait a
0: second maybe he's actually there yeah these are hard-hitting questions
1: so (laughs) good questions Okay, so Sean asks, how much do you think the work of Jim Henson influenced Octo, particularly in regards to the established ecosystem and the caretakers? It reminds me so much of The Dark Crystal, and I want to live there. Oh, I totally think Jim Henson was um, completely influenced in everything that Neil Scanlon um, created and did. I would guess that much, right?
0: (laughs) I'm going to say yes
1: Yeah, to that. I'll be honest, I haven't seen The Dark Crystal, so the fact that there's so many creatures on this one island, um, it, I really thought it was so beautiful how, um, there was like such an emphasis on the natural world, basically on Octo. And they really made an like emphasis on that, um, through all these different creatures and the porgs and the caretakers and, um, the whatever creature that, mil- <laughs> that Luke milks. And like, I don't know, there's this, there's this really, a. Uh, established circle of life situation that's happening it's very much a symbiotic relationship and I feel like um th- everything that Neil Scanlon did um there really emphasized that in a great way
0: I'm gonna defer to you I'm not <laughs> and say yes <laughs> yes <laughs> okay, so our next question is kind of similar to when we had a little bit earlier from at Miss Ray the Jedi. If you had written any of the scenes, which one would you have written and would you have done anything differently? Um, you can you, you go first. Okay, well I have two answers. I have a fan servicey answer and then like a practical answer. And my fan servicey answer is that I definitely would have extended the fireside scene and seen the beginning of it. Like how that whole conversation started, who started it, what was said. Um I would do that and then as we talked about earlier, I would want a longer moment with Luke. Uh, Finding out about what happened to Han and particularly Luke's reaction to finding out that Kylo killed Han. Yeah. Because it would just add on to Luke's guilt so much more. And I think that would have been a great moment with Luke and for Mark to have done too. Um, mm-hmm. Practically, I think, and I can't take credit for this. Um, I was listening to Kyle Newman on something, and he was talking about how we needed like a little bit more politics <laughs> in Star Wars. It was which, on Steel Wars. It was on, yeah, it was on Steel Wars. Um, and some line about how the galaxy has reacted to the destruction of Hosnian Prime, particularly at the end when they're all on crate and the resistance is like no one's answered the call, and you're like, wow, that's really tragic. I think. They could have slid in a line there, like, everyone is worried because all
1: their leaders have died in the Hosnian prime. Yeah. And that, I that can, would have been fine. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to say, is that yeah. as much – we've moved very far away from the political um, kind of – Understandings of the galaxy in the sequel trilogy, which I think is fine, because in terms we we get a much better story with the characters and everything. But I would like a more sense of place with the politics, because in certain situations, such as this one, they seem important. Just like the Hosnian Prime, mm-hmm. um, Starkiller Base blow up situation. <laughs> yeah,
0: and like it makes sense why no one's answering the call because, like, they have they have no one left at this point. Mm-hmm. Like all of their leadership. Probably all the people that they're reaching out to, their leadership was destroyed in Hosnian Prime, and if they weren't at Hosnian Prime, they're like, I don't know if I want to get involved in this, <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna stay here on my outer rim planet and not and like stick my head in the sand for good reason. So I think that I think that would have been, yeah, I think that would have been a good add on.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: And our next question is from at Matthew J Leahy. Leahy? Leahy? Leahy. 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 Yeah. Uh, Matt. <laughs> this movie has several moments of internal symmetry, like how Rose is dragging Finn away from the escape early on in the movie and it's later dragging him towards it in the collapsing supremacy hangar. What other callbacks did you guys notice and enjoy or find the most meaningful?
1: Um, I've been thinking about this one a lot because I think Rose, the Rose one is really – a uh, huge development for um the Rose and Finn characters. Um by the end when Finn is helping Rose, like that's actually really meaningful in terms of inter- internal symmetry. <laughs> I love the line where um, Ray is talking about the forest and how she thinks it's just lifting rocks and then at the end she actually has to lift rocks to help her friends. And
0: oh yeah. That one's really um,
1: I I'm trying to rack my brain. and I know there's so many. What what do you think? Um,
0: I really – I mean, I really love the Rose one too. I remember when I realized that, like that's how she – that was like her first thing was dragging Finn onto whatever that little transport was inside the resistance ship. I was like, how did she haul him up there? <laughs> He's a big guy. <laughs> she's <know>. she's not. <laughs> she's like clearly struggling at the end of the movie when she's dragging him on the supremacy. Like that's an <laughs> outtake I want to see. Um, but the the one that people have been talking about recently is the nothing line where with Kylo when he says it's to Snoke, right? Where he says, I've mm-hmm. given everything to the to the, to dark, the dark side and have nothing left or something like that. Or no, he asks about his wound and he goes, It's oh, nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. And then like the use of the word nothing is is significant. And then of course at the end with Ray, he says you're nothing to me you know what i mean um and so, then of course like who gave him the wound Ray. yeah Ray. Ray. um ray gave it to him in the fourth <laughs> <laughs> i don't yep. know if he, i don't know if you know that <laughs> uh, yeah the rock one though is really cute and of course like the the obvious one with luke and r2 and
1: the binary sunset is just <sighs> very perfect yeah it's so perfect Okay, so our next question is from Elias Sheldon. I apologize if I mispronounce your name. Would love to hear about your favorite callbacks to the other Star Wars films. My current favorite is from Empire. Vader Kylo holding out a glove hand. Join me after delivering the tough news to Luke or Rey. So, so many to choose from. So this is really interesting to me that you chose that one because to me... I look at the scene with Kylo and Rey at the end of the throne room and compare it to Revenge of the Sith. And I just, I feel like there's so many prequel callbacks. And I think actually even last night, we we're recording this on Thursday night. Last night, Ryan Johnson was at um, an IMAX screening and he did a QA and a and he talked about how he um, watched the prequels and certain parts of the prequels basically every night when he was filming this um, and, and writing this and i i think that there's so many echoes of the prequels in this movie i mean even we we all saw it in the trailer when kylo's leading um the first order troopers into crate mm-hmm. and yeah it looks just like anakin and um this moment again at the end of the throne room is such a callback to anakin and padme on mustafar and um i i just i feel like there's just so many Little lines, even that are callbacks to the prequels, and I suppose the original trilogy as well.
0: Yeah, I think that whole scene is the big one, though. And it kind of goes back to our Kylo character discussion and like his redemption arc too. It's it's drawing your mind to t- to these two very specific moments in Anakin's story, uh, his moment with Padme in Revenge of the Sith, but then also his moment in Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very deliberate in reminding you of those two moments. So it, it's cool how they work together. And too, like, that now Anakin or that Kylo has, like, caught up with Return of the Jedi.
1: Exactly. Later.
0: It, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's definitely one of my favorite callbacks. As I said before, the, like, I forget how much I love the R2 moment with Luke, and so I watched it again. And I'm like, this is the perfect reunion. <laughs> There's totally. nothing I would change about that scene, and it
1: makes me cry
0: <laughs> it's just so
1: great <laughs> I completely agree and Luke looks his hair looks so floppy and like good
0: <laughs> so great and, and R2 is like R2 like side eyes Luke after Luke is like that was a low blow or something like that and R2's like cheap shot yeah 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 or he's like yeah it is because <laughs> you left me it's not okay <laughs> and you're like
1: same R2 same <laughs> Okay, so let's move on to our character-based questions. Okay, so we're in part two, and we're going to talk about characters. And we've gotten so many questions from you guys about characters. And as you know, it's our favorite thing to talk about. So we're just going to dive right in. So our first question comes from Rachel Crouch. She says, can you please discuss your current stance on Raylo?" A month and a half af- after The Last Jedi premiered, what is your interpretation of canon Raylo, and is it romantic, platonic, or somewhere in between? Where do you see it going from here canonically? What are your personal feelings towards Raylo after seeing The Last Jedi? Has that changed over multiple viewings? What are your opinions of Ray as a heroine in her portrayal of a female protagonist? Has that changed? You can kind of hear it in my voice. I'm very nervous to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, would you like to start, Caitlin? I'll just say it. I
0: ship it. Same. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: yeah, I, I ship it. It's weird because after – prior to The Last Jedi, I wasn't – and I think we, we talked about that. I, I don't think you shipped it on – or said you didn't on one of our episodes. And I was like, I don't not ship it, but I don't ship it yet. Because I've always – like, for me, I've always been more invested in – like, Kyle is my favorite character from the sequel trilogy. Obviously, all of you know that. You're like, stop saying that, Caitlin. Um, <laughs> so for me, that's always been what I've been invested in. And I've always thought that Ray was going to be an integral part of his redemption. For me, that didn't have to be romantically. I just knew that she was going to be a part of it because she's our main character. And so that makes sense. Uh, but after The Last Jedi, I was like, there is something else going on here. And uh, I ship
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I've been struggling with this for a little bit, just in terms of like how to talk about this. So I kind of, I wrote this big note in my phone about it. So listeners, if you'll just indulge me, um, here I go. So this is how I feel about Reylo. <laughs> I know, that Revenge of the Sith callback. <laughs> this is how
0: it feels to be Reylo. <laughs> right now.
1: <laughs> anyway. Almost the same as it did when I came out of The Last Jedi. Confused and intrigued by the sexual tension, the themes, and the metaphors. Eager to explore it all in conversation with Caitlin and my fellow fans who I met through Twitter and conventions and this podcast. I felt validated by the story continuation from these two characters that I felt so strongly about who clearly had some sort of bond. I felt like JJ and Ryan and everyone who had been telling us for so long that they had something in common, some mystical connection, and it felt really rewarding to see that play out on screen in the way that it did. It blew my mind. I feel intrigued by the similarities between my favorite ship, Anakin and Padme. I feel the term Reylo doesn't fully encompass what the ship is about. The ship doesn't ignore the problematic elements it offers the discussion. I per- Personally, the lo doesn't refer to Kylo, but Solo. I view the ship as only endgame if Ben Solo sheds Kylo Ren. I'm not interested in a romantic future of Ray and Ben Solo or Raylo at the sacrifice of Ray's agency i.e., if Ray dies to bring back Ben Solo, that's so disappointing and fails what so many of us love about Ray's character. But this is how I really feel about Reylo. I worry that by saying I like it, I'm alienating my friends who I've made who I, who hate it. I worry that I will discount the podcast and everything that we've said before. I'm worried that it'll stick us into a box that's different from a Star Wars podcast. Caitlin and I have worked hard to legitimize our voice in our fandom, and I don't believe that we're 100% there yet, because we're women in this space and we have hurdles to jump through. Will this diminish it? Will it make those hurdles harder? Am I overreacting because this is fiction? Yes. I feel the controversy around a person liking a fictional pairing that is canon, guys, it's literally canon, is ridiculous. And the fact that I'm even struggling to write and say it is batshit cray. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not, cr- and that's crazy, right? Because I've had friends who, who so-called friends, have blocked them on social media because of this particular ship. I want to shed light on how that's not how you should treat anyone based on a fictional interest. So, how do I feel about Reylo? I'm intrigued by it all. The Last Jedi forced us to see it, and I'm taking it in. If you disagree, that's okay. But respect that. But, but I respect that, and I'm totally fine with that. But please, just be nice. I feel like the whole thing is, <laughs> I just want people to be nice. <laughs> No, I think um, that was really good. I'm glad you.
0: I'm glad you read that. Um, I mean, I, I think it echoes a lot of my thoughts too, and especially in regards to the podcast. And for a lot of people that aren't super on Twitter, really, with when it comes to like your your Star Wars discourse and fandom, um, it can it can be really hard. Like the the first couple of weeks after Last Jedi, and you could even hear if you go back and listen to our first episodes after the Last Jedi, it was like. Don't talk about Raylo because you're going to upset people. And I think what I've kind of realized is you like we started this podcast to talk about Star Wars how we wanted to talk about it. And for us right now, we we both ship Raylo, and so we want to talk about it. And the thing is, our our podcast has never been about one thing. Um, it's never been a Raylo podcast. It's never been a sequel trilogy podcast. It's been a Star Wars podcast, and that's how it'll stay. But I, like, feel good saying that. I feel nervous saying that. Like, people are going to judge me and think I'm a bad – Like, I I don't like Raya as a character because I want her to have a romantic relationship. And that's not it at all. Um, Yeah, it's it's weird. It's really weird and it's really conflicting. And, like, what you said at the end there, Charlotte, about, like, I – this shouldn't be a big deal, but it is a big deal. And am I overreacting? Probably a little, but also I'm not overreacting too. <laughs> it's like all of these things at once, and these characters are obvi- have obviously they were written to elicit emotions from us, and they've definitely elicited some emotions, <laughs> both good and bad. And like just like you said, like I understand why people don't ship it. And I get it. That's that's your prerogative. Um, and I hope we can still be friends and talk about other things we like about Star Wars um, because Star Wars is never one character or one relationship. It's a saga. And there is a lot
1: to explore in this, in this galaxy. Totally. Okay, so let's answer the question though. <laughs> um, <laughs> in terms of like, do I see this relationship as romantic, platonic or somewhere in between? I honestly, right now, I feel like it's, I, I do feel like it's romantic just by the, really explicit sexual imagery of the last Jedi. Um, but I can see it being, I don't know. I, I don't even know what I'm saying. Cause I just can't decide.
0: <laughs> it's, weird because it's like,
1: I, I feel I, like I flip flop every day.
0: I know. I mean, I'm definitely either romantic or somewhere in between. Um, I'm not, yeah. I don't think it'll be platonic. Um, Although I don't know what something in between is, and I guess that's the whole point of something in between. It's, <laughs> it's in between. Yeah. <laughs> the, thing, the thing is with the last Jedi, it's clear that they care about each other and they know each other intimately. Yeah, and for sure. I mean, he's the-
1: not asking her at the end to like this- be rulers together, um, <laughs> like as friends. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, yeah. Like, and, <laughs> pals. That's the thing too. Like he doesn't ask her to join the dark side. He asks her to join him. Yeah. And like that that's very specific. Like they've both recognized something in each other. And I think it was – I think both Daisy and Adam have said this too about, you know, they're both suffering from this complete um, feeling of isolation and loneliness. And they realize that there's a very thin line between them. And mm-hmm. they're connected in – every literal and figurative sense there is. (laughs) I mean – Totally. And and it's crazy too because it's like I I feel like – and I was listening to – we both were um, the Meta Machina podcast that had on um, Knights of Rant and Scavenger's Horde a great episode where they were talking all about shipping within Star Wars and specifically Raylo too. But they went through all of the like major relationships in Star Wars canon and and in legends too, and they are all a dark side
1: person and a light side person. <laughs> like it's actually I really funny. Like I didn't realize that. Me neither. I, like, oh, I mean, obviously Han and Leia isn't that, but there is that element of scoundrel princess and person who is in princess. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's not I, I don't think it's necessarily dark side and light side, but it's like you you always
0: have these people bad and who and good. are like opposites <laughs> attract. That's kind of – For sure. Yeah, but then it's – but also when you get to, like, Dark Disciple, crazy book. um, With that one, too, I think it's kind of similar to Ray and Kylo, where they realize that they're not as different as they think um, Mm -hmm. within Dark Disciple. And it's been a hot second since I've read that. But it's interesting. Like, even in Legends, all of these people are, like, they see that they were on the dark side, and then they fell in love. And they weren't completely light side, but they weren't dark side anymore either. And Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, this has happened before in Star Wars. Not once, not twice, a
1: couple of times. (laughs) I think it was Jenny Nicholson who said recently um, on maybe like movie fights or something where she was like, the prequel trilogy is about someone um, falling to the dark side. The original trilogy is about someone uh, turning to the light side. And the way forward now is these two characters meeting somehow in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I think that... That is like that. Really sums up my emotions. Really is that you can compare both of those trilogies now because what are you going to do if um, it, it, with this new trilogy? Like it's not going to be the same as what came before, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen that before with like all the yin and yang imagery, even the Prime Jedi who is takes both aspects of the light and dark, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Sith had come from Prime Jedi or Jedi Prime um, as like someone who only took the dark side with them. Um, So I just think it's all really interesting is like, what is the way forward for these these two people's relationship um, canonically and how can we compare it to other relationships in Star Wars?
0: Yeah, exactly. And, And too, I've been thinking a lot as well about the continuation of the Skywalker line. And we've talked about this on the podcast before as well. And it's like... I, I get the the argument for ending the Skywalker line. Like, it's not always about the Skywalker line, like, in the galaxy. I, I understand that. But I'm also, like, it is all about the Skywalker line. It's the Skywalker saga. And from a business standpoint, you can't pay for that kind of name recognition in a franchise, like Skywalker. Mm-hmm. You know? And to, like, get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, it just – it's, like – oh, then everything is just an anthology because the saga has always been the Skywalker story. It's always been billed as the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, they say it's a story about family. Who's totally family? And and yeah, there's a lot to be said for found family too. Um, but at the heart of it, it's the Skywalker family.
1: Right. So, Anyway, um, has my opinion changed? Yeah. Uh, because I wasn't fully on board until The Last Jedi and now I'm fully on board. Anyway, too, Okay, so we had another question after this about what your in- interest level from Catherine Crow. What's your interest level regarding potentially romantic Raylo? I feel like we just answered that. It's so. high. Yep, heavy interest. The thing too is,
0: I like this. I like this portrayal of Ray because I like the idea that it's like she doesn't have to be one or the other. She doesn't have to be
1: a damsel in distress to be in love. It doesn't no way, happen. and she also like. I mean, we're not ignoring the ending. Like she ch- chose to not accept this yeah. terrible version of yeah, Kylo. Ren. Exactly.
0: Um, she's yeah. smart, and she knows that this is not how things are supposed to go. Um, she still maintains her agency, but I she's still connected to him. That's the thing, and I hate the idea that it's like belittling her. Like people think it diminishes her character for her to be in love. I don't understand where the – I mean, I understand where it came from. But it's frustrating that it's seen as weakness for a woman to be in love. Whereas Mm -hmm. for a man, a lot of the times it's like, oh, he did anything for her. Like he loved her so much. And it's like this thing of strength. But for a woman, it's like, oh, well, her character only moved forward because of a man. And because she was in love. And that was like her weakness. And I'm ready to see that not portrayed
1: that way. Yeah, me too, and I hope th- they have an avenue to do that. Um, yeah, exactly,
0: because they're they're on equal footing, Ray and Kylo. Yes,
1: it, I would even argue that like right now they're not on equal footing. I think Ray has the high ground. Kylo is so low.
0: Well, like, yeah, I mean, as
1: far as yeah. like, being prominent characters, like main characters in the film, but but they're equal. Um, yes, totally agree with you. Yeah, and and
0: I agree with you too. Like, obviously, we're we're supposed to be siding with Ray here, and we do side with Ray here.
1: Yeah. For
0: sure. Yep. All right. Our next question, we got this great email from Courtney, um, and she said, When I recently watched The Force Awakens, there is a line where Kylo says to Ray, The traitors, liars, and murderers you call friends. The traitor one is easy, as Finn is called a traitor, all through the movie by the First Order. Murderer makes sense after The Last Jedi – knowing Ben's point of view. So that leaves liars. I'm wondering if this is about his parents. And she said, I really want to learn more about Ben's upbringing. And I find that line so interesting since two of the three specifically match to someone. This is like such a good call out because I hadn't thought about this until Courtney sent us this email. Um particularly with like the murderer line. I know, it's so
1: cool. Like, <laughs> I love that. I'm I'm like oh. living for rewatching The Force Awakens after the the last Jedi. It's everything like it has really put I I don't know. I just feel like I see the whole movie in a whole different light now, which is great. Have, it's like this yeah. I haven't watched it
0: since Oh my god you gotta do it I know but I also like I really just want to have them both together I want to have like the home version of The Last Jedi And then like pop them in all together Why not both Yeah (laughs) (laughs) Yeah maybe I'll do that tomorrow
1: (laughs) I feel like I have so Um, many
0: things to do tomorrow night (laughs) It's like, Same. do I watch Mortis? Do I read Revenge of the Sith? Do I watch The Force Awakens?
1: Why not do it all? Stay <laughs> up all. all night. I gotta work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, um, back to her comment. I do, I'm so interested in seeing Ben's upbringing. Like, I've talked about this before. Like, I'm ready for the next animated show to be about uh, Luke and ben and the jedi training i know caitlin's not fully on board with that but like i'm ready for that i'm ready for the sequel era before the the force awakens to be fully explored
0: wait why am i not ready for that
1: well you've said before that you're like don't know if you really want that animated series
0: oh yeah as an animated series
1: yeah i don't know if dave's in it i'm in it i know that's the thing i i trust dave so like let's let's do it Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And like the – I'm so excited for whatever set of novels comes out, whatever we learn more about Ben and like his childhood. The fan art situation about Ben, young Ben and Leia and Han, I'm so intrigued oh. by it. Like, I haven't looked at that on Tumblr. Just prepare yeah. yourself
0: emotionally because you're like,
1: ugh. The head cannons formed about um, Han Solo and Leia basically – Kind of arguing about um, what do they do about Ben or like how do we deal with this and then probably disagreeing. Like I, I am hurt by them and <laughs> I've created some of them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I I love the idea that we're getting more nuance from the Force Awakens because of the Last Jedi and that was something I was a little worried about, but it's it's I'm excited to watch it again. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So our next question is from Daniela. And she says, what do you all think about the parallels between Annie Dalla, Anakin and Padme, and Raylo in The Last Jedi? Do you see a romantic future for Reylo or as a potential hint that Ben will be redeemed but won't die like Anakin? Listen, if <laughs> they did not want you to think about Revenge of the Sith and that moment with Anakin and Padme from The Last Jedi, they should have done things a lot differently. <laughs> They should have written it differently. They should have staged it differently. They should have had different costumes and different – Like, everything should have been different if they didn't want you to go back and be like, huh, what does that look like? Oh, yeah. It's poetry. It rhymes. Exactly. It's like it wants you to draw the connections back to Anakin and Padme. And if it doesn't want you to make some kind of connection to this other romantic couple in Star Wars, it's doing a very poor job. Yep. I mean, the fact that, like, the conversation is the same, the lighting is the same, like, it's just, it's too much. I think I, they're good. I parallels. mean, I ha-
1: obviously, we have a lot of thoughts about the redemption and everything. Um, Pick personally, any of our episodes, and you can hear about them. <laughs> per- personally, I have been thinking a lot about Kylo's quote when he's like, Hamlet soliloqu- soliloquying soliloquizing? I'm pretty sure I I had trouble with this word in like our last episode. (laughs) I think you did. (laughs) That's funny. Anyway, um, to the Darth Vader helmet about uh, I will finish what you started. Mm -hmm. And I've been thinking a lot about that line and how what it means for the future of the story and like how we'll look on that line when this trilogy is complete. Mm -hmm. And part of me thinks a lot about how um, the force was balanced for a short amount of time, but it lost that balance because Anakin died. And it's, it's just so interesting to me thinking about like, how can we work towards, instead of I'll finish what Darth Vader started, how can we think about this way in a way that's like, I'll finish what Anakin started and what his whole like modus operandi as the chosen one was, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, what is balance of the force then? And how can it be achieved? And I feel like the only way it can be achieved is like the literal balance that we saw um, from these two characters working together as uh, basically one, right? In the throne room, we saw that. The force theme plays, et cetera. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, It's like, I think in that moment, he's
1: talking about
0: Vader. But once we have the completed... Trilogy, it'll be like, oh, he's talking about Vader, but he's going to finish what Anakin started. Exactly. It's like you'll watch it through a new set of eyes, too. And it's like, as far as the balance goes, it's like, clearly the Force was not in balance after Vader died. Or at least it wasn't for very long because Vader was just one person. And I don't know. It's weird. It's like, if Kylo dies in Episode 9, it's basically like Vader dying in Episode 6. And so things still aren't really balanced um, because Rey would effectively be like the Luke character in this scenario. And Luke couldn't keep the Force balanced on his own. Mm -hmm. Neither can Rey, I don't think. Um, So I think it's like we have to have a different ending than what we saw in uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah,
1: we have to. That's like the only way that this series will move forward.
0: Yeah. And I guess I guess it could I mean I guess he could die and it could still be really different, but I don't know. It just it doesn't make sense to me. And for people that don't want a Kylo Ren redemption, I get it, I guess. (laughs) But it's like I I just don't understand how the galaxy moves forward and finds peace. Like the force is not better with Kylo Ren on the dark side. The galaxy is not a better place with Kylo Ren on the dark side. Um, I don't know. It just – It doesn't make sense. And and if you don't want a romantic – If you're not trying to go for a romance between these two characters, then, like, you need to tell Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley because they don't <laughs> know that. <laughs> or, or, like, I don't know. Get – get different actors who have like a significant age gap where that would like never be a thing or like a father-son kind of situation or like a brother-sister situation where like that's not (laughs) happening which I guess then people still think Ray could be a Skywalker but yeah just no (laughs) yeah I don't know (laughs) Uh, but just to go back really briefly about the anti-Annie Annie Dalla similarities too, it's and we've said this before as well, but the fact that like the that Revenge of the Sith moment, like that's the end of Anakin and Padme's story. That's where their story ends. It ends in tragedy. But for Kylo and Rey, this is just the middle chapter of their story. Their story has another, they have another chance to get things right. Um, this isn't right. where the story ends. Whereas with Anakin and Padme, it's like, you knew it had to end in tragedy because that's what the original trilogy tells us. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I guess tragedy is still an option and there'll probably be some very tragic elements to Rey and Kylo's relationship. Uh, but their story isn't over their story, their their connection and their relationship isn't completely and solely defined by their interactions in the last Jedi and particularly their, their, their proposal scene in the last
1: Jedi. For sure. So our next question is from BJ. He asks, "Why do you feel like Kylo must be redeemed?" Oh, BJ, I don't get the, <laughs> I don't get the general fans, not just you, obsession about redemption. I don't know. I just don't see why it's a big deal. I might like it better if he just stays bad. Oh, BJ. But no,
0: I think this is when we got this question. All jokes aside, I think this is a really interesting question. It's like, why are we, whatever side you stand on, why are we all so obsessed with Kylo Ren's fate? Um, right. I think it, it was. It's a really interesting question and one I've been thinking a bit about since we got it. And um, I think, I mean, for him, it might be better if he just stays bad. Yeah, but I've already seen that movie before. I've seen that whole set of movies with Darth Vader. I don't need Mm -hmm. to see it again. I want to see something else different. Um, And two, as if like perfect timing, today I found this thing that Adam Driver narrated this book about the, the theater of war, I think is what it's called. And yeah, the theater of war. He narrates – Adam Driver narrates this book. So if you're obsessed with Adam Driver like I am, you can get a whole book (laughs) narrated by him. But what's so interesting is that there's a book in this – or there's an excerpt in this book where um, Adam's narrating about Greek tragedy and flawed characters. And you're like, wait a a second. This is about Kylo Ren, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but I just wanted to read a little bit from that. This is like a very reading heavy episode. So I hope you guys are okay with that. Um, but it, it it's just really interesting because the, the excerpt talks about why we respond to tragic characters and to flawed characters. And I think this actually speaks a lot to BJ's question about why we're all so obsessed with Kylo Ren. Um, so this is from the book Theater of War. And I wish I could remember. Okay, the author's name is Brian... Dories Dories, I think. Um, and it's narrated by Adam Driver, which you can get on Audible. <laughs> and it goes, we love stories about well-intentioned, flawed characters because they make the most compelling drama. Um, making mistakes, even habitually and unknowingly, is central to what it means to be human. Characters in Greek tragedies stray, err, and get lost. They are no more flawed than the rest of humanity. The difference lies in the scale of their mistakes, which inevitably cost lives and ruined generations. At the same time, being human and making mistakes, even in ignorance, does not absolve these tragic characters of responsibility for their actions. Had they fully understood what they were doing, they most certainly would not have done it, but they did it all the same. It is in this gray zone at the thin border between ignorance and responsibility that ancient Greek tragedies play out. This is one of the many reasons that tragedies still speak to us with undiminished force today. Hmm, Force. We all (laughs) live in that gray zone in which we are neither condemned by nor absolved of our mistakes. What is so utterly flawed about the idea of the tragic flaw is that it encourages us to judge rather than to empathize with characters like Oedipus. Tragedies are not designed to teach us morals, but rather to validate our moral distress and living in a universe in which many of our actions and choices are influenced by external powers far beyond comprehension, such as luck, fate, chance, governments, families, politics, and genetics. In this universe, we are dimly aware at best of the sum total of our habits and mistakes until we have unwittingly destroyed those we love or brought about our own destruction. It is not our job to judge the characters in Greek tragedy to focus on their flaws. Tragedy challenges us to see ourselves in a way its characters stray from the path and to open our eyes to the bad habits we may have formed or the mistakes we have yet to make. Contrary to what you might have learned in school, tragedies are not des- designed to fill us with pessimism and dread about the futility of human existence or our relative, relative powerlessness in a world beyond our grasp. They are designed to help us see the impending disaster on the horizon so that we may correct course and narrowly avoid it. And I'm just like, ooh, so good. And Adam Driver's reading it and you're like, whoa, (laughs) give me more. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think it's like we obviously – Adam Driver, obviously Kylo Ren is – an exaggerated character. It's not reality. We all recognize that it's not reality, but regardless, I think a lot of us respond to things in his character about not being perfect, about feeling betrayed by your family, about not knowing how to interact with someone or how to ask for help. Uh, I think, I think that I think there are a lot of different reasons for why we're all so obsessed with Kylo Ren.
1: Yeah. And I think that the movie has actually given us a lot of those questions and kind of begs us to ask those questions as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Why am I so obsessed with Redemption? Because I genuinely (laughs) want to see happy endings. Mm -hmm. um, And I just don't want a nihilistic version of Star Wars at all. Um, I think the movie has given us such reason to care about this character that now I care, care so much about him. And because the movie is literally written that way, that if he continues to just be bad, um, I don't see what the point is Mm -hmm. in all of that character development.
0: Yeah, completely agree. It's like, if Kylo Ren just turns out bad, what was the whole point of getting to know his, like, getting
1: to know him in The Last Jedi? Yeah, or even his lines, like, I'm being pulled to the light. Being um, torn apart. Being torn torn apart. Yeah, it's um, – You're not you alone. You're not – yeah. It's like, to me, I just feel like all the clues are there, and we're just all piecing them together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so eager to see where it goes. Also,
0: like, Star Wars is about hope. Um, yeah. Hope that things can be better, that love can save the day. And if Kylo is not redeemed, it's like, what's hopeful about that? Because um, so many people have put their hope in him – Um, have reached out to him. And he hasn't taken their hand yet, but he will. Um, And that's the thing. It's like don't let go of these people. Hold on to them. Love them as fiercely. No one's ever really. Yeah. Fiercely fight for your friends and fiercely love people and put others before yourself. Um, Have hope. And if Kylo Ren dies, I'm like, that's just really unhopeful and really sad (laughs) for me. And and again, I mean – we know that we're very biased in this conversation. So, take it as you will. Totally. Our next question is from our friend Megan Camp, who I actually just had dinner with earlier today. She said, or asked, would love to hear more discussion on Finn and Poe's character development in The Last Jedi versus The Force Awakens.
1: I have been thinking so much about that last shot of, first off, there's two things. That last scene on crate Poe, you understand the full arc of Poe completely. You know, he understands that he has to pull away from what, whatever they were doing with the ski speeders. He understands he has to turn around, that they're um, not going to make any difference. And in order to save the fleet and the people that are left, he has to turn around and make this choice um, and kind of confront that hubris. And I think that that his arc was so important for him to get to that point. And then I've also been thinking about how um, when they're going to follow the quote crystal critters, everyone or Poe looks to Leia and Leia's like, yeah, go follow him, you know? And I, I think that that's everything. At that point, Leia has that, gives that approval of like, yeah, the, the younger generation now has learned like that they, they, They need to make these mistakes and make these choices um, that make them overall better leaders at this point. Um, And I think that was a really important development for Poe as a character. And I have learned to respect his arc a lot more um, in subsequent viewings.
0: Same. Same. I agree. It's weird because since Poe didn't have any development in The Force Awakens, it's like they had to... Give him a lot in the Last Jedi, <laughs> um, yeah. whereas like we already knew who Finn was. Um, I still mm-hmm. think it's it's like it's kind of weird how the sequel trilogy is set up where we don't have like a core trio of characters, and so how you're like dividing up their storylines and who gets prominence in what moments and things. I think is really interesting um, how they're making those choices outside of Kylo and Ray, you know, between particularly between Finn and Poe now, and and now Rose too, going into Episode nine. Um, I. I love Finn's storyline. I love all of the little moments of it between the force awakens and the last Jedi. Um, The one I always go back to in the force awakens is when they're um, in Maz Kanata's cantina and, He's about to leave and Ray comes back to him and is like, don't leave. And, and he's talking about how – he finally tells her he was a stormtrooper and he's like, I ran straight into you and you looked at me like no one ever had before. And it really cements like just how much Ray means to him and how bonded they are mm-hmm. in such a short period of time. But then I, – I and like in Force Awakens, you're like, yes, like – Finn came back for her and like that's so important for Rey. Um, But then going to The Last Jedi, it's like for as much as that relationship means to Finn, it can't be the thing that defines him. And he can't put Rey above the galaxy, uh, above the resistance Mm -hmm. as much as he wants to. And I think my favorite moment of Finn in The Last Jedi is when he gives the beacon to Poe. Um, in order for him right. and Rose to go get the master code breaker because it's like him relinquishing that control and that connection to her and you know how hard that is for him.
1: Totally. And the camera kind of lingers on that shot too and you're supposed to be like, oh my gosh, like there's a transfer of emotion right mm-hmm. here. And, and um, Poe
0: realizes, realizes it too. He takes it and you know that he knows what Finn is giving him.
1: Exactly. And it's it's great. I have really learned to, not learned, I I respected it from the beginning, but I really have grown to love the Finn and Rose storyline. And Finn's whole arc is just really remarkable. And um, I'm really, really, really excited to see where they take his character in episode nine, because it can only go up from Mm -hmm. here, because Finn has completely cemented himself in the resistance slash rebellion, and he knows what he's fighting for now. And he has a core group of friends, and it's really exciting. Squad, <laughs> yeah, I think Kolo's yeah, Polo, exactly.
0: gonna take the Leia role, and uh, Finn's gonna be the reckless one in episode nine, and more reckless. I'm, I'm really excited for Finn and Ray in episode nine because uh, I Same. think going to be a lot of tension, as we've said before, about everything that happened in the Last Jedi and Finn being like, "WTF? What do you mean? Who, who's Ben Solo?" <laughs> yeah exactly so i'm excited for that good question
1: also i I just like remembered um when you were talking i just realized like another sad moment when you realize that like at that point when finn is leaving um maz's castle um she's like don't go ray's like don't go don't go and it's like it's now now we know that her parents, like, left her and oh, abandoned no. her. It's, like, it's another one of those situations oh, where no. it's, like, just, like, the BB-8 situation oh, no. where it's, like, she. I know. It's, like, all these different pieces now break my heart so much more where you can definitely infer that when you were watching it before and be, like, oh, um, she doesn't want him to leave because she was so alone before. It's the same thing, but now it's, so like, more. oh, my gosh, her parents.
0: Yeah, and I, I love that about The Last chapter. She probably Jedi. said the same thing to her parents, like, please don't go, and they left. yeah. Well she did. She said,
1: Don't go, come back. Nah. Yeah.
0: Star Wars is tragedy. Scratch it off on your Sky Talker's <laughs> bingo. Yeah.
1: Okay. Then the last question in this section is from Jim. How awesome was Lieutenant Tally? She's by far my favorite minor character now. I personally think The Last Jedi had some of the best minor characters in the whole saga, like Tally Page, Kennedy, and Conniex. Fully agree. Love all the new ca- the side characters. Love mm-hmm. them. Love Conics. Love I just Conics. like. I'm so happy that Billy Lord has now had a more prominent role and that she spoke the first line in the movie. I was like, I'm such a Billy Lord stan. Like, I, I love her, and um, love Conics. Kind of ship the Conics and Poems. Connix. Kayla and I both do. But the first
0: thing Cheryl and I said to each other in this movie was, "I ship it with Poe and Conics. I ship it. <laughs> we were like, <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs>
1: And um, but I I loved Holly too. Um, she's cool, and Paige is great. Loved her.
0: Like, have I ever experienced that kind of quick emotion with a minor character? Like I did, Paige. No,
1: and that's what's so remarkable about that character. It's so awesome. I want to learn so much more about Paige and Rose mm-hmm. and everything.
0: Yeah. Oh, I remember the the very first viewing and when the the remote falls past her, and the whole audience was like,
1: "No." <gasps> I haven't gone to a theater since then that doesn't gasp or is like, what? In that point. I, I have, and actually. It's weird. And I always
0: want people to react to it more because I react to it more.
1: <laughs> everyone, reacts. it's because it's I'm in a city and there's like, it's a yeah, crowded theater. True. But that's like, true.
0: And then when, when she, oh, the shot that kills me is when she presses it and then mm-hmm. she's just looking up and you see the explosion underneath her, like the fire going across the screen underneath the, the ship and you just know that it's about to consume her, and you're like, what? <laughs> I said that. signed I up for a fun space
1: jaunt. <laughs> this fun space jaunt? <laughs> really humorous and fun space opera. <laughs> but then everyone's like, it's supposed to be darker. It's the second
0: episode. <laughs> Why well, is all this humor? Like, oh, Star Wars fans, we can't decide what we want um i know Yeah, i really like <laughs> i want something different i don't want i mean this is too different <laughs> make him like he's no vader well of course he's no vader <laughs> he's, he's kylo <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> um i loved kennedy too i thought his interactions with hux were really funny that was the kind of thing i really liked where he was like we should have deployed those ships five minutes ago <laughs>
1: <laughs> he looks like such an like world war one uh, world war two uh-huh. like nazi yeah it's like perfectly type yeah class. and he's like how the heck
0: <laughs> is hux outrank me <laughs> i know <laughs> <It's> so great
1: <laughs> oh gosh
0: good question
1: there's like good it. facial yeah, expressions exactly. yeah i like this question thanks yeah. jim me too me too thank you okay so we're gonna move on part to part three.
0: three listen big deal you got another problem
1: women always figure out the truth always okay so welcome to part three where we're going to talk about episode nine specific questions and other stuff that we want to talk about um so you know the the catch-all As in the catch-all, in the catch-all, if in catch-all. <laughs> yeah so roku depot asks do you think ray will eventually teach broom boy how to use the force i gotta be honest i don't think we're ever gonna see broom boy again
0: not in the saga trilogy yeah i think
1: I think Broom Boy is an epilogue that's just supposed to be meaningful and about the future of
0: mm-hmm.
1: the Force users and Jedi and inspiration. He's a symbol. And I, couple of things that I love about Broom Boy was <laughs> Let that me he list was. Him um, off. Yeah. A couple things about <laughs> Broom Boy. He's on the screen for like seven um, seconds. How do you have a couple of things? Um, I think it's awesome that he was inspired by Rose, who was inspired by Finn and her other heroes, but made herself her own hero. Mm-hmm. And I, I just like I, I truly like. I've been thinking about that a lot, and I just think it's really beautiful that, um, the ring that he has is from Rose, and like, it's just so great. It's just, uh, anyway, Broomboys an epilogue, and I feel like, um, the. We're never going to see him again, but we could see some sort of, like, quote, New Jedi Order situation um that is started or, like, a training situation. Like, I don't know anything about Episode Nine, but I do think that, like, maybe it's a hint towards, like, the future of the Force users.
0: Agreed. I think always Broom Boy is a symbol above everything else. Um, I think the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, there's hope for the galaxy. And no matter what comes our way, there are still force users out there. There are still mm-hmm. nobodies waiting to be somebodies. Um, totally. But not necessarily Bruno Boy himself. Just,
1: it's so interesting because the movie – and before this, quote, epilogue, the movie ends on that, like, shot that we all know of um, – Everyone on the Falcon. You know. Everyone on the Falcon, like laughing and smiling. And it's like, you know, that that shot that we always get in these movies. And we were all ready for it to end there. And we were all gonna be happy with that. Mm-hmm. But I just think that this moot that the epilogue like provides something so much more to everything that had come before about um I don't know, it's it's you're you're right. It's really just a symbol of hope for everyone, not just the resistance who are all packed in on the Millennium Falcon at this moment, but like the entire galaxy and like how one person can inspire all these children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's
0: really exactly. Cool. And too, it's like those kids were they were telling the story of Luke Skywalker um, before he went out. So it's like he's got this great mythic legend of Luke Skywalker that he's listening to, but then he saw it in real life with Rose. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Alright, totally. our next question is from Robbie and he asked... Fantastic job as always. Thank you. <laughs> question for Thanks, Thanks. Question for the next episode. What- We're here. Next episode. What do you think they should do with Leia in episode nine? Should they recast her so they can finish her story? Should they have her killed off screen and finish her story in a book? Something completely different. The million dollar question. I'll let you go. <laughs> um,
1: I go back and forth. I don't personally – And we've talked about this on the show before. I think it's our episode. um, Han Solo and Visions for the Future. I think on that episode. Is where we talk about that. I have a lot of mixed feelings. About this. Just because um, I can't separate. My personal feelings of Carrie Fisher. And my personal feelings of Leia. And I don't want anyone else. Besides Carrie Fisher. To play this version of Leia. Um, And I think that if they can do it in a satisfying way. And I kind of trust Lucasfilm to do it in a satisfying way. Um, either she's just off screen or we have some emotional scene in the beginning. Um, I don't know. I really don't know how I feel about it all. I really go back and forth every day where I'm like, yes, recast Leia's story is so important to so many people, including myself that it needs to carry on. And it's really she, Leia deserves to have a reunion with her son. And I want to see that on screen. And um, I, I don't know. I really just – I go back and forth all the time. But then I'm like, Carrie Fisher is Leia. They are one and the same. And I don't want anyone but her to be her in this episode nine. Yeah, that's kind of my thought, and which isn't really a good thought. I've just been thinking my way through it recently. Yeah,
0: I agree, too. I agree, too. It's like if if they – if Carrie, if they're not having any Leia, if they're not recasting, I want Leia's death on screen, um, or like for it to like for it to open at her funeral procession or something like that. I don't want it where like Leia is just like off somewhere on another planet. Um, I want her mm-hmm. to have passed away in universe. Um, I don't even know if I would want that explored in a book necessarily because I don't know. Again, like Star Wars is first and foremost a film franchise, And so for, like, someone as important as Leia, it's, like, I don't know. I want it on screen if it's going to happen. Right. And, like, selfishly, I don't want it recast um, for all of the reasons Charlotte said. The thing I keep reminding myself is that, like, there is no good answer to this. I'm going to be upset no matter what they do because it just, like, it sucks that we have to have these conversations. Um, So I don't think I have any – Definitive opinion because I don't want to have an opinion on it because it just makes me sad and I know that's a bad answer. But
1: welcome to my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally. I mean, I'm on the same page. So, like, I t- I completely agree. I don't really know how I feel. I just want them to do right by Leia's character. Um, if Lucasfilm and Carrie Fisher's family think that recasting is an okay option, but correct me if i'm wrong i feel like kathleen kennedy said leia is not going to be in episode nine or carrie is not going to be in episode nine so maybe that doesn't really solve anything but i've kind of resolved the fact that leia her character isn't going to be a huge part of the next
0: movie
1: don't save your female characters for the last movie i know seriously like don't like okay moving on because it just makes me sad um Jeffrey asks, what direction do you think JJ will take us in episode nine?
0: Redemption.
1: Hope so. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Quietly and then louder. Redemption.
1: (laughs) He planted those seeds in the Force Awakens and he will water those plants.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He will see them sprout. Well the thing I don't think sprouted in the last Jedi, so they're about to bloom in episode nine. He's just gonna water them. He's just going to water them with a magic potion and (laughs) it's going (laughs) to
1: be. But I don't think it's going to be that weird anymore. Yeah. Um, I think that we got our weird Star Wars episode. And I hope that they continue to push the force boundaries. But yeah.
0: I wonder what new kind of force power we'll see if we'll see another similar one like Luke's.
1: Aster projection because that would I mean, be fun. no predictions because I didn't even predict that. I didn't even know that was a thing. Same, so. but apparently it
0: has been if you saw Ryan's Twitter. Ryan's. From- <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, the Book of the Jedi.
0: So funny. That was so funny. Yeah, I think um I think it's going to be very character driven again. I think we'll probably have a little bit more of resistance versus first order. I think probably more time will pass in episode 9 and not not even in regards to a time jump, but I think we'll have more physical days in episode 9 yeah. um to really for like the resistance to gain steam over the first order. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think especially I'm thinking now in regards to, like, our last Leia question, I I think Leia's – I think, like, it'll open with something like Leia's funeral. I um, So I, I do get that out of the way in the beginning. And so it's really going to be a focus on Kylo and Ray. Like, they're really going to be our main characters in this film. And then Hux, Rose, Finn, and Poe are going to be our secondary. Like, main secondary characters. Um, and yeah. they're, they're going to be, like, pushing the Resistance in First Order storyline again – like they were in this past movie. But everything, it, like, it comes down to the decisions that Ray and Kylo make for mm-hmm. how the galaxy is left, I think, at the end of Episode 9.
1: Yeah, Emma um, Knight on Twitter talked about how she wants to see Finn kind of lead, a like, a rebellion um, and, like, liberate the stormtroopers – Um, and I feel like those seeds were definitely planted in the force awakens that I, I now, I want that so much for Finn's character. I want him to have that, like, you can leave this terrible place. Like, come with me. You're not terrible people. I think it would just like actually underscore all the themes that we love about star Wars. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I'm so into it and I think it would be a really good development for Finn's character. So Mm -hmm. good thoughts, Emma. Um, okay. So the next question is from David. Do you think Phasma will have a role in Episode 9? No. No. <laughs> Softly at first and then louder. No.
0: <laughs>
1: um, I think her story's done. Um,
0: yeah. I love Gwendolyn Christie, but. I know. The thing is, I'm really going to miss Gwendolyn Christie
1: from press tours on Episode yeah. 9. I-, I just think it's over. If they keep bringing her back, it's like Looney Tunes. <laughs> like Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Like, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think we're done with Phasma, which is a shame, but also not a shame because she was never really a prominent character to begin with. Um, Gwendolyn Christie was a prominent actress, and the response to Phasma was prominent, but she, in and of herself, was never a prominent character.
1: Yeah. So I think she's I think she's done, though. And I think that if she comes back, it does lessen that great moment we get in this movie where Finn – kind of overcomes like her his former captain right and Mm -hmm. um then he says rubble scum and it's like the best line ever
0: although it would be funny in episode nine for her to show up and be like fn2187 and finn would be like wait wait a second how did you survive that because finn would be the character would be like break it down for me (laughs) phasma yeah (laughs) how did you survive that so i mean okay
1: So maybe that would be funny.
0: Yeah, that would be a little funny. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> but I don't I don't see it happening. Same. Um, same. Talk to me in a year. Maybe if Gwendolyn Christie signs up for it again, and I'll, I'll start some theories. But I don't know. Yeah. Right now, it's a no.
0: Yeah, hard no. And our next question is from Megan Camp again, and she said, more thoughts on how you think the end of Rebels will influence episode nine.
1: Okay. Well, because I haven't really like fully formed and my opinions of like how Rebels is going to end keep changing, I do think that by the inclusion of more mortis um, elements, I think it will shed further light on how we think about Kylo Ren as the – Kylo and Rey as the yin and yang of the Force. Um, the
0: balance. And
1: Yeah, exactly. And, like, talk more about the balance, and then we'll kind of understand the direction of, like, the future of Lucasfilm. And we've said this before, like, one jillion times on this podcast, but the future of – Star for the future of Star Wars, look to animation. And I feel like that's exactly how I'm going to go into the end of the series. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I agree. Uh yeah, I think the the what you look for in the animation is how the force is handled and the more mythic elements that can be explored really um fantastically in the animation that you don't always have a chance to do in the in the movies. I mm-hmm. think that will be a really big part. Like, th- I think that's the most important thing to be looking at within the animation in regards to what will happen in Episode 9. And maybe they'll set up some things. It's like, the thing is, that it's like Rebels, it sets up the Rebellion and not the Resistance. So I think as far as, like, practical story elements go and story beats, probably not that much. Uh, but with things like the Force, I think that's where that's where you have to pay attention.
1: Totally. Um, I'm really, really eager to talk all about this once the movie comes. I mean, the movie basically is a movie, right? Um, This last, like, three weeks of Rebels. Oh, my God. Mm. When all of that is finished, I'm really, really thrilled and excited to talk about it Um, in regards to to just this.
0: Be sure to check
1: out Fulcrum Files, our exclusive show on Rebels. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) The next question is from Kyle. He asks... I want a Ben Solo redemption. I know you both do as well. My question is without Rhea, presume Rhea. Who heck? is Rhea? Okay. Can, can you read this question? I can't do this. <laughs> Raya. It's a new ship.
0: Who is Rhea? Okay. Uh, from Kyle. I want a Ben redemption. I know you both do as well. You're right. You're right, Kyle. (laughs) My question is though, without Leia presumably being a nine, how can that happen? I feel like even since The Force Awakens, that was the path of redemption, but now I just don't know how they'll do it if they do it. Speculate wildly. The thing is, despite my own personal opinions on what will happen with Leia in episode nine, there very well could be a Leia in episode nine that would further, that would go through to this. Redemption. And the weird thing is, too, it's like in regards to the redemption, it's like people were like, well, if Leia is a part of it, I can get behind it. I feel like the people were a lot more pro redemption when the idea of Leia being an integral part of it. But once that was kind of up in the air in combination with people's intense reactions to The Last Jedi, there was a lot of, all right, well, that's just not happening anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's so curious to me that um, that would be the reaction. I think that it further underscores how all these different things that happen in Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren's life um, will kind of... He will have, like, a a come-to-Jesus moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not going to be because of one person, but all these different little actions. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is the pathway. And I don't necessarily think that Leia in episode 9 or out of episode 9 really makes that big of a difference on it. If Leia dies in episode 9, then obviously that is going to have a big effect on Kylo Ren, especially from what we just saw when he struggled with the trigger to kill his mom, right? Mm-hmm. Um I feel like that we're going to see... I mean, clearly he has like a, a very... He has a strong attachment to his mother. They have, they even shared a force bond. We saw that happen. Um, so obviously, I feel like that her character will be a part of his redemptive path, whether or not he's, she's actually in the film. I feel like her presence will mm-hmm. be in the film.
0: Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. I also think that they're, it sounds almost sacrilegious to say, but they're almost in um a good place to further underscore how we're all responsible for our own choices, Um, which kind of goes in line with what you were saying. Like, it's not not because of any one person that Kylo will make a return to Ben Solo. It's a combination of things, but it's also ultimately his choice. Mm -hmm. And he has to make that choice in order for it to be genuine and to be true, I think. Um, And – I guess you you might have run the risk of that not have being the case if Leia was the main fulcrum for his redemption in Episode Nine. Yep. So I I think that's really interesting, and and I think a lot of the canon surrounding Ben Solo and Kylo Ren too has been that he's been other people have been responsible for him, but Kylo's never been responsible for himself, not completely, and and of course like. Kylo is responsible for his actions. We all know that too. But he's had Snoke in his mind since he was a kid. He was at the temple. Like he has too much Vader in him. He's too much Han in him. He has too much Snoke in him. Like he was never allowed to be Ben Solo. And I think mm-hmm. in this moment he's starting to figure out what that means. And I think that moment with Leia, his relationship with Ray have <laughs> Raya <laughs> have all <laughs> like opened up, have like shown him what his life could be like. And that there is – that he isn't completely Kylo Ren as much as in The Force Awakens he wanted to be is not.
1: Of course. I mean, you see that by the fact that he even responds to this name now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's they, – they focus the camera on him, like, reacting to that name in a way that in the past movie he – what does he say? That uh, your son is dead. Yeah, he was Um, weak, so I destroyed him. destroyed him. Yeah, oh, that's not true. So, (laughs) like, sorry, Kylo, you're not that cool. (laughs) My
0: favorite is when he's talking to Snoke, and he's like, you have too much Han Solo in him. He's like, I killed Han Solo.
1: I didn't hesitate. And it's like... You did. <laughs> you did hesitate, dude. And and then Snoke's like, mm. "Yeah, hesitated." <laughs> the <laughs> deeds split you to the bone.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's so interesting that moment when Ray calls him Ben, and it's like this moment of recognition, like, "Oh, that's me." Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very poignant, I think, and very
1: deliberate. So I think I think we'll see it again. Totally. Um, okay. So. Eve's question is Hey, Eve, she says, Would love to hear a Sky Talkers hot take on all the hot takes, but seriously. So I thought this was actually really interesting because it is so weird the culture right now of being a Star Wars fan and like being in fandom and how everyone has to have the hottest take. And if you don't have the hottest take, then you know, you're not like a super woke Star Wars fan and you're not like. I just think it's really interesting where it's just like, oh, my God, let's just all enjoy what we like about these movies. And we don't have to keep one-upping up one upping each other about these different things that are just, like, the coolest mm-hmm. things that we discover from Star Wars. Like, yeah. we don't need all these super hot takes. Yeah. That's your hot take to not with the hot takes. Yeah, my hot take is forget the hot takes. Hot takes are lame. <laughs> let's <laughs> just talk about what we
0: love. My hot take is the same and like be nice Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) that's my super hot take because it's just like be kind rewind delete that tweet if it's mean
1: yep (laughs) agreed
0: (laughs) and uh i think that's a big thing i've learned in the past couple of weeks too it's like i don't have to respond to everything and uh if people don't agree with me and like, want that to define my relationship with them as my, like, love of Kylo Ren or Raylo. that's fine, I guess. I mean, I thought I was more than a Star Wars opinion, but if I'm not to you, I guess <laughs> that's fine. True. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I'll I, go talk to someone else. Um, yeah. And I don't need to respond to everything on Twitter, and I'm done feeling... Sad about people being mean to me over my Star Wars opinions. So
1: that's my hot take.
0: My hot take that's, is that is a
1: steaming hot take. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the steaming hot take is I'm done responding, but I also, I guess in a way, too part of it's it's really if I've had a little wine. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I'm like I'm just gonna, the thing is it's like if, if I start responding to things, it's like you know I've had a little wine because I'm like listen. Let me woke you, which is bad, but <laughs> it's, like, before I would have been, like, I, I don't think I could respond. Like, they, they're they not going to agree with my opinion, but now I'm, like, listen, you don't have to agree with it, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> but I'm not going to be mean about it. So yeah. I hope I'm not mean about it anyway. I try not to be mean about it. I me try too. to be uh, nice because
1: – And honestly, not. I want to be called out if – or like send me a yeah. dm if i'm being mean i i want to mm-hmm.
0: know oh, because yeah, I,
1: I don't i don't want to be someone who over who steps over these fandom lines um and hurts someone's feelings and uh, ever i really don't about mm-hmm. the discourse or anything it's just not worth it and
0: yeah, yeah agreed. I agreed
1: I genuinely like my little bubble that I live in on Twitter with uh, these people, and I don't. I don't ever want to offend any of them. Mm-hmm. So same. It's a, that's how I feel.
0: Yeah, it's a weird mixture of wanting to just like disengage when I need to, but also being confident in my Star Wars opinions and not feeling like I can't share them and yeah. like voice my opinion on a thread. I think it's a really it's it it can be tricky. So yeah. I've, <laughs> Agreed with Charlotte. If if ever I say anything on Twitter that you're like that was kind of stepping a line, tell me because I promise I probably didn't mean to do it and I apologize. So yeah, agreed.
1: Okay, so I think this is our last question. Whoa, Brian Bailey asks: Did you buy into Poe being the next leader of the rebellion? Um, the Leia of the sequel trilogy. Will he be able to jump into a starfighter and blow something up ever again? Um. Yeah, I do think he's going to be the next leader of the Rebellion slash resistance. What are we mm-hmm. calling it these days? <laughs> so Freedom um,
0: fighters.
1: Yeah, right? The I do think that he's going to be able to jump into a starfighter and blow stuff up again. I think that that's like what he loves to do. But I think that he will kind of take his lessons that he learned in The Last Jedi into heart this time and realize that there's a lot more to risk than just getting into a starfighter and blowing something up.
0: Yeah, completely agree. I think he'll definitely be the the leader. I think that baton was already being passed before the death of Carrie Fisher when Leia was like, why are you looking at me? Follow him. Yeah, exactly. Pretty explicit of, he's your leader now. Go in peace. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think he will still be like, I think he'll be much more, I don't think he's, what's going to be weird is seeing uh, Poe like in the control room managing everything like Leia did. Um, and mm-hmm. I wonder if there'll be a scene where he's like, Screw this, like Connix, you're in charge. I'm going out there. Like, I gotta go save our guys. And like I feel like that that will happen. Yeah. And like hops in a <laughs> hops in a starfighter to blow stuff up. So
1: And I feel like he will that might be the end of the movie where it's like he kind of does what he does best to mm-hmm. for like the good of everyone else. And it's not like that wasn't how it was before, but it will be the right choice at and that time. Persecuted. Yeah right the right way at this point Mm -hmm. yep exactly okay well is there anything else that you wanted to talk about
0: i don't think so i feel like we've covered so much (laughs) i know
1: it's kind of an emotional episode
0: (laughs) yeah a lot of reading a lot of a lot of emotions a lot of hot takes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on the hot takes. Uh, hot takes On the hot takes and just like regular hot takes, I guess. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, I hope you guys liked this episode. If you did, you know what to do. Drop us a line on Twitter, email, leave us a five-star review on iTunes if you liked it. And uh, let us know what you thought. And we're getting excited because Solo Trailer coming up and Fulcrum Files. So, be on the lookout for that. And thank you guys so much for – being a part of our last Jedi coverage. It has been for all of the like sad moments on Twitter or in like wrestling through emotions about Kylo and Rey and Luke. Um, this has seriously been so fun to be going through this journey with all of you guys. So thank mm-hmm. you so much for being a part of our little Sky Talkers bubble. And of course,
1: like this isn't the last time we're going to be talking about this. Yeah, it's movie. like we're signing off. No more. Okay, bye. The novelization comes out in March. You know where we're going to be back at this microphone talking about that novelization. <laughs> so you get a little bit of a reprieve. <laughs> yeah. If if, you,
0: if you're like two st- weeks.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like like not that long. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But basically love this movie and I'm excited to talk about it for a while. And this isn't the end. Um, and I just want to say a quick thank you to our awesome patrons. You guys are amazing and if you ever want to join our Patreon community, um, we are patreon.com slash skytalkers, I think. And just so you guys know, we just added a
0: $3 tier to our Patreon page, so um, on our tiers $3 and up, you can listen to all of our monthly bonus episodes and for January our bonus episode was all about trailers in Star Wars and was there or was there not any misdirection from The Force away? and the last Jedi promo material. So that was a really fun episode to go back and revisit. And um, if you're looking for more last Jedi content on our Patreon page, we also discuss Dave Filoni and Ryan Johnson for our December episode. So there are a lot of interesting discussions going on over there. So definitely check it out if you're interested. And now Charlotte is going to thank all of our amazing
1: Patreons. So I just wanna thank Lynn, Amy, Emma, Ryan, Neil, Jim, Suara, BJ, Joanna, Chuck, Aaron, Cherie, Kyle, Megan, Amy, Kelly, Matt, Brandon, Serene, David, Kirsty, Robbie, Derek, Connie, and Delaney. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. And I think that's gonna wrap up this episode. So may the force be with you. May the force be with you.